locked into the game. We you know we're just being aggressive at all times. I didn't, I didn't. That's the first time hearing it. I didn't know I scored 15 straight, but um, you know that's that's just being in the zone, being locked in. You know I want to really win this game. You know this is that was a team who competed their tails off from from start to finish. You know we respect them because they 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 punched us. You know and and they showed us that they can they can play and compete with the best of them. So. Um, you know, it was, for me, it was just staying aggressive, taking what the defense gave me, and taking advantage of my matchups. We've talked a lot about obviously your guys' record against teams under 500. You get the win today. How important is it this, the, the the effort putting in the habits of a night in night out performance? How important was that, even you know, relative to the win? I think it's beyond important. You know, realizing that if we play this way, you know, each and every game, then we can we'll have a great chance of winning. You know. All right, that of course would be Wizards guard Bradley Beal. He had not one, not two, not three, but 39 points, 17 in the fourth quarter. As the Wizards beat the red-hot Chicago Bulls 114-110, Todd Dibas, uh, bet the, the Bulls win a game, or the Bulls, the Wizards win Bulls. a game against a team that was really good lately, yet has a has a losing record. So it's very confusing as to how to look at it from, but but you know, from which of those uh, storylines we have to look at. Either way, it is a win. Kudos for the Wizards, and the year on the right note. How about that? Yeah, a recovery win too after uh, an abysmal first quarter that it looked like we were going down a very familiar path of win against good team followed by what the hell is going on. <laughs> oh, no, the, the Bulls had 38 points in the first quarter, and it definitely looked like, oh, boy, here we go again. But the Wizards did uh, get it going. We'll talk about that. Maybe we'll throw in some end-of-year conversation here on the last official podcast of the Lockdown Wizards podcast for 2017. Uh, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. I didn't do the math to see what number of podcasts this was, but it's over five. I know I've done at least five this year. Yes, yeah. you've done more than five podcasts. <laughs> Uh, I guess I should officially say this is Ben Standig. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. Todd is at Todd underscore Dibus. And, of course, you can read what he wrote off of this game in the Washington Times. It will be in the print edition, in fact, I was told. Had a spoiler alert. So you can uh, find that. Yeah, people will be climbing over themselves tomorrow to get to the newspaper boxes out on the streets. (laughs) Hey, man. You know what? Those newspaper boxes are important. Uh, I like like things that... some things in life need to change. The newspaper boxes, I like that they still exist. It reminds me of how things once were. Yeah, it, well, unless it's the grouping where there's like six or eight slots, and now only like two of the slots are, have something in the front and the rest have anything ranging from garbage to feces to wow. God knows what else wow. um, in there, that which is... I have seen in some of our larger cities around this great country. Wow, that is some uh, that is some foulness right there. Um, the Wizards were... Uh... It's, it's a nice nutshell of the industry. Yes, yes. Um, very, very, very good point. Um, so, Wizards win. They make big plays late. Bradley Beal and John Wall. I mean, this may have been their most stat-stuffing game of the year between the two of them. Beal, 39 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Yes, he is well aware that he missed a triple-double by one of each. Uh, he also made seven threes. He also missed two free throws. Uh, he's only two free throws. He took, missed two of them with, like, 19 seconds left. really could have screwed the Wizards, but they worked that out. Uh, John Wall, 21 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Uh, so those two certainly did their part offensively. We can maybe quibble about some 
not a, not some some lack of hustling at times from the point guard uh, as we've seen at times, but he also made big plays late, had the, the game the go ahead three point play. Uh, again, the block. So uh, overall, I would say for me, and I keep harping on this, so if other people want to disagree, bite me. Uh, they got to put in the good habits game in, game out. It's more important. It's even more important than the wins and the losses. If you don't play hard every night, you will get caught even when you're playing the Clevelands and Bostons because they will, you will miss, you will not show up for a game or a quarter or whatever it is and screw yourself. So for that first quarter aside, they, for the most part, did that today. So for me, I take that as much as the win as anything else. Yeah, and I think specific to the first quarter today, that I, I was surprised at the pace that the Bulls are playing with and the versatility of both of their units, especially with Miritich coming off the bench, um, makes them super flexible. But to your point of playing with the proper habits, this is what we expected from the start of the season, right? Because we had seen them do just that, and that's why they were advancing in the playoffs. That's why they won the division in 49 games last season. They're bringing back everybody with seemingly an improved bench, and yet we weren't weren't seeing that uh, often. So, And we didn't see it for a spell tonight, but they had more depth of talent, I think, and that just eventually kind of took over, and there they were, happy to head out into the evening on New Year's Eve. And you know what? Like, here's a subtle nah, – no, I shouldn't say subtle, but, like, it wasn't discussed, I don't think, post-game. I don't think it was mentioned in the locker room. This individual I'm about to mention, he didn't talk post-game. But of all, like, the the, the, the the sort of the rounding into shape, the getting better, they are now 7-3 and three since Wall's come back. Mm-hmm. They haven't had necessarily that – Five, six, seven game winning streak, but seven and three since he's come back. Marquise Morris has eleven rebounds. Now he he got into early foul trouble. Just twenty four minutes. In just yeah, in just twenty four minutes, getting those eleven rebounds. I mean, that really is a tremendous sign because he's only been averaging I think like under five a game up till this point, or at least he did last time I looked. That is huge. He went one for six from the field. If he goes one for six from the field and gets eleven rebounds, you know, do better than one for six. But he, I, I think on some level, Scott Brooks would almost take that. Because he knows Beal and Wall will get their points uh, tonight. Mike Scott, another Mike Scott performance. He just makes every shot he's basically taking. Uh, Uber is hitting shots. Uh, you know, so they can get offense in places. The getting the rebounds, especially when they go small, is so key. And so for him to get 11 rebounds, that, that, that to me is a big sign of them starting to round into shape combined with, you know, again, the, the, the better effort against us under 500 team. The small ball lineup generally worked again tonight, even with Mike Scott at the five. So, uh, good sign, I think, for the, the Marquee thing. He's starting to look more like the guy that they absolutely have got to have to have a real chance this year. Yeah, he mentioned after the Christmas Day game against the Celtics that he thought the small ball lineup was their scrappier lineup. Um, you know, it certainly makes them faster, obviously, and, and, and improves their spacing. But he also thought that it has a lot of, a lot of fight in it. Uh, we did see... Brooks today stick with small ball, even when Chicago put Robin Lopez back into the game and just kind of take what happens with Mike. It was Mike Scott often on Robin Lopez. Hoiberg called the timeout at one point, immediately out of the timeout. They gave the ball to Robin Lopez. He gets an and one. He got another post up right after that. But Brooks said afterward, you know, go ahead. If, if you want to run your offense that way through Robin Lopez, which is not what they want to do, then go ahead, and we're going to live with the outcome. Um, and, so and, I thought that was an interesting course of decision-making for him that 
I don't feel like we've always seen that this season and maybe even prior. I, I, I love that whole situation because I, you, you see this often. Uh, we'll all do it. I mean, fans do it, but you know, we also do it. You see a matchup, like, oh, go do that thing. But you, if sometimes that's exactly what they, they – the other team will put you in a defensive – give you the defensive – give you the, the, op, the upper hand in theory because now it will take the ball away from where you typically want it to go. Sure. And right, the, the way they've been winning because uh, Nikola Miritich has been crazy from three, uh, Markinen's making threes, Chris Dunn's getting points, and and you know with, with Lopez he was seven for eight from the field, sixteen points, but that's not their bread and butter. That takes them out of what they're trying to do. So I, yeah, to that point, I think that was a that's a good way to go. And that lineup in the first half where the Bulls are up twelve when Mike Scott went to center, the Wizards went on a is it a nine zero or nine two run and got back into it, and then it kind of stayed. For the most part, you know, fairly competitive um, from there. So, uh, all right. So here we're we're here. This is it. Breaking news: twenty seventeen will end today. How are you feeling about this team now? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me how I'm feeling about twenty seventeen. Oh, I don't think anybody wants to go there, do we? <laughs> <laughs> the modest surprise that we're all alive as uh, midnight approaches. Um, how am I feeling about this team? I do. I, you know, I kind of I feel the same as I did as I have really all season. I think their depth of talent is better. I think they have a good shot to grapple with the top teams in the conference. Cleveland, the course, I think is the biggest complication when the playoffs come. I don't. I know that's not that's hashtag analysis basically. Um, but I think they can play with Toronto in a series. They can play with Boston in a series. Uh, it would be nice for them to stop kind of giving away games. At this point, they're already in a position where it's going to be hard for them to be more than the four seed, even though we're just about to reach the midway point in the season. They've kind of lost contact with the, those top three, which would put them on the road, presumably, in the second round. But... I think it's there. I think at the trade deadline, as, as you and I have discussed multiple trade scenarios from the semi-nuclear option um, versus doing, doing something a little more subtle, I'm still in the more subtle camp. I think you can find a, a shooting guard off the bench to give you a bit of a boost and maybe even someone else to come with that bench rotation, but as we've talked about often, once the playoffs come, you're only talking about seven or eight guys. So uh, who are those guys going to be? Obviously, Mike Scott's going to be one, and it certainly appears that Sadoransky's going to be one. So to me, once we get into the first week of February, is what, what can you do at backup shooting guard? Um, especially if, you know, Beal just played 45 minutes tonight. Are you going to be able to maintain uh, – pushing toward the top of the conference in the second half of the season while also properly managing Beal's minutes um, as everything winds down. So that's, to me, another reason to get a shooting guard who can spell him yeah, for a I, bit. I mean, Beal played 45 minutes tonight. Now the Wizards are off until Wednesday. Yeah. There's no practice Monday for, for the holiday, but probably wouldn't be regardless because of the, the opportunity to get off, to take a day off because you're, you're not playing until Wednesday when, right. when, they, when they host the Knicks. So no travel and off, so that'll have to play more. But yeah, I think that is the, the wing position slash behind Beal is the uh, spot to go. I will say this at this point, 
we often have wildly conversations about uh, Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. but when you look at the what can the Wizards do for to make a trade? I mean, the Otto Porter thing has not, hasn't made sense pretty much from Jump Street for a hundred reasons, including he's no longer a bargain for anybody else. You got to make the money match, and also he's really good. I mean, it wasn't he wasn't incredible today, but you know, last game he went seven eleven from three, and he's become obviously a very good player. Um, but we talked about the small ball lineup. It may be their most effective lineup, and it's with Ubre out there. Sure. So it's going to be really hard. I don't know what you would ha- and you know factor in the cheap talent. We can worry about how are they going to extend him down the line. But you know, the, the, even for next year, he's going to be big. So the. I don't think you can even really trade Uber at this point. I think really the only thing they can do if they want to make a significant trade, something to the effect of what they did last year with Bogdanovich, is pretty much trading the first. I would not be in favor of them trading the first for a rental again. At some point, you have to keep you have to keep guys going. You have to have assets going forward. Another another deal like that, I think, would be unwise if you can make the Marquise Morris type scenario where you bring in a guy in who will be here for multiple years, and that's a different story. But to do it for a rental. I would struggle with, but I would agree. Yeah, you kind of want to stick in the second round if you're going to rent and if you're going to do something on a modest contract for more than a rental, you know, a year plus at least, um, then, and, you, then you're dipping into that first round. And, and obviously, you know, they've gone in, in recent years, you know, last year they pick up Brandon Jennings after he got cut by the Knicks. A couple years prior, they pick up Will Bynum when he comes back from China. Right. So there are some options without having to make a big trade, obviously. It's uh, you get what you pay for kind of scenario, but at the same point, it, that's what I was going to say. Like, but, what what will Bellinelli cost? You know, right. What will Rodney Hood cost if Utah decides, you know, we're going to do something here before he walks, and we're obviously not getting it done in the West this year. But, but I guess what I was going to say is, if Wall and Beal are each playing like thirty eight minutes a game in the playoffs, that only leaves, uh, you know, twenty. Sure. Well, Sadoransky, if Sadoransky is getting some of that behind a wall. Then really we're not talking about that much for somebody else. So you could potentially get away with it. Which, which I, my... I will. I will quickly point out though that those that little blip could turn into Brandon Jennings. Sure. What sure. Brandon Jennings did last year in an enormously tight series, and he was. I almost used a swear word. I almost used a bad word on the podcast. He was very poor, um, so bad that in his exit interview he said he didn't show up in the series. So. Uh, that's the danger of the doing it cheap, and we also know that this team is over the tax and is doing stuff during the course of the regular season to save pennies, so who knows what kind of pennies they're going to be looking to save at the end of the year, too. Well, what I was going to say is that it last year, I mean, we, we talked about this a hundred times, why on earth did Brooks keep playing Jennings with a wall? Terrible pairing. Yep. Even if Jennings was playing at his best possible, they neither can shoot. He did it in part because he didn't have another guard to go to, and I only say this because Sadoransky, if this net, this last few weeks, this next month before the trading deadline, you know, today we see a little bit of Sadoransky with a three guard lineup. He made a three in that stretch. Um, yeah, if he can show a, enough to be the, the real third guard that they can feel comfortable putting him in with either guy, that does does a little bit change the dynamic of that situation. Is all mm-hmm. I'm saying. If he's as much as we've talked about him a lot, you know, he's still a little bit shaky. It's not, I think their primary concern in the playoffs would be just his general ball handling and bringing the ball up and getting things started And when the heat is going to be so much higher right. than it is during the regular season. We already see him. He's got to turn his back often at the point of starting the play in order to go, keep his dribble away from especially smaller guards. 
So that that would be a concern. Um, but yes, he, he gives you some more flexibility. I mean, look, he can't be worse than Brandon Jennings was. I, I, it's almost mathematically impossible to be worse than Jennings was in the Celtics series. And and to, to your your points, certainly correct about the amount of time whoever that person is is going to be playing. But the impact when everything is so amplified, even if it's only five minutes, sure. those are five minutes in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the number one team in the league in their place. Um, it's better. I, I, I guess. So, I, I guess my only point would only be this: I'm 100 percent with you. That said, they need that upgrade. If Sadoransky shows them enough over the next few weeks, knowing that you've got Ubre, you've got Scott, and Mahimi's going to play, mm-hmm. that's nine guys right there combined with the starters. At right. some point, you can't. That's probably already at most of what Brooks would want to use. So you right. could probably use if need be use Otto slash Ubre a touch more in the backcourt. So whatever. I'm just saying. I think that's for me that what will be interesting over this next month. Does Sadoransky show enough for them to really feel good that he's their third guard? If he doesn't, then they probably have to make some kind of move, maybe even a bigger move like you're talking about, which wouldn't be a bad one anyway. I just don't know if I'd give up the first-round pick anymore. Sure. But they may have no choice. If things go wrong over the next month, they may have to go down that path um, one more time. And, and down the line, I mean, you know, even if that pick is number 22, 24, wherever it, it, it falls, it's going to be way cheaper than a lot of other options. And we know that this, again, to, to mention that these guys are over the tax and are already trying to find ways to backtrack how far over they are by leaving an empty roster spot basically throughout the season, it seems it's going to be. Um, you know, that's on their mind, too. Um, for no particular reason, I just I did the uh, the math. The, the, Want to guess what the Wizards' actual record is in 2017, the calendar year? How many total games? 86. Uh, I'll say they won 86 games. I'll say they won 47. So even though they have still have not had a 50-win season in an actual year, uh-huh. in 2017 they went 53 and 33. 53? 33 and 17 oh. last year, even though they're barely over 500 this year. Say, On, but... Compared the Cavs in the same 2017, 50 and 36. So the Wizards <laughs> had a better record than the Cavaliers in 2017. Take that. To imagine that. Imagine I tell you that on January 1st. Winning off the field. That's what that feels like, winning off the field. That does a little bit. Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland. Uh, I think the Wizards would have taken Cleveland's. Yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and swap. Yeah. Ta- Ultimate outcomes, yeah. Yeah, taking that one. Um, so, yeah, man, so look, I mean, you know, we have a, you know, a rule on this podcast. Until they actually truly put in together a run, we're not going to say the turnaround is occurring. I will just say that, you know, there's a little more, you know, there's still some steps back, but there's more steps forward over these last 10 games or so. Uh, everybody's healthy. Like we, we point to the Marquise Morris thing. The bench has continued to be solid. It really comes down to the starters have to play, do get to the level they were at last year. They do it at times, particularly against the, the Celtics and the Cavs on these national TV games, the Rockets. That's it. If they do that, I really think this team is a 50-plus win team. If they don't, We'll just be talking about sideways wizards all year. That's what I was going to say is, is the elements of a turnaround are, are, are A, seemingly not hard to achieve, and B, certainly not hard to find, right? If we keep talking about effort, no, no one is disparaging their talent. So 
that should make any form of turnaround much more convenient than it would otherwise. Did you just get a, like a special invite on uh, for New Year's Eve party? Somebody just sent me a funny. Somebody just sent me a funny message. So I just I had a smile. I'll tell you later. All right, wink, wink. Um, wow. I mean, that could be the range of possibilities for what could be in this message are are staggering. Tune in Monday to find out what was in that message. But yeah, the elements of them getting their act together pretty simplistic. Talent is there. They've actually done it before. It would not. It's almost more of an outlier for them to be wishy-washy than it would be for them to be one of the more potent teams in the East. Um, we're going to do a, uh, I guess here in the next day or two, uh, Wizards New Year's resolutions. I've been asking people to send me some suggestions. You can still do that. Hashtag WizResolutions at Ben Standing on Twitter. Todd almost choked choked his water uh, down when I said that one. Uh, so I'm somewhat putting you on the spot. Would you like to offer a suggestion? Anybody on the team, the head coach, the GM, any player? Uh, you know, so, there's been some good ones so far. I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine uh, what you're saying. I, I'll, I'll, this is not a resolution, but I'll just throw this in there. I think for Sheldon Mack, the resolution is uh, get back on the court soon. He, I talked to him today because somebody asked me how he's doing, and he said. He said he's good. He said he's uh, you know, he's back to doing some stuff on the court. He's shooting, but he's not really going to get full-blown action for another couple months. But he did say his plan is to play in Summer League, which is a good uh, – good. I mean, needs that. But, but that was uh, – uh, you know, I kept – I was already wondering, well, who, if the Wizards trade their picks away like they seemingly do every year, who would be on the Summer League team? I was like, oh, it better be Sheldon Mack because otherwise I won't <laughs> – it's going to be a weird team. So I guess – I don't know if it's a resolution, but just for him, just keep uh, keep fighting the good fight and do the rehab thing. I, I vamped enough. You got anything? You, you'll be surprised at this. I have a resolution recommendation for Kelly Oubre. Sure. That's what we were waiting on. Never to throw a bounce pass on the break again. I resolve to never throw a bounce pass on the break again. Cheers, everybody. See you in 2018. This should be a phrase from him later this evening. Uh, that was not a good play. That was not a uh, that was not a good play. I, I, I will say, I guess, just to and to sort of to that point, this would be for him, but also for Marquise Morris. The idea of that they they still the two of them. Uh, Ubre got a tech today after Mo- he committed a foul, and they were down ten points. And, and Morris, you know, he he picked up two fa- two fouls early, and we obviously know. And then he got a third one in the first half, and we know his penchant for getting the techs. I mean. Not to say that they're the most two most important guys on the team, but each of them gives the Wizards such a, a specific kind of look mm-hmm. that it's, they don't necessarily, especially with Morris, they're going to get somewhere else. For those two in particular, harness the energy. You can't, I get it, you're, you, you're feeling like you don't want to get punked, somebody's pushing you, you want to push back. you got to, especially once you get later in the season, you've got to understand you're way more valuable to your team on the court and not in foul sure. trouble than otherwise. And, and, you know, I'm not even talking about what we did to Olympic last year, but just the basics. You can't get, you can't get text for stupid stuff. I mean, you know, if there's a, the other, the other guy does something for totally agree, just some things will happen, but you know, you, you got to keep it under control. I, I would say it's a big deal because that is a, you know, especially at the wing spot, they don't really, have, you know, other than Ubre is the only guy where anybody feels remotely comfortable with right now behind uh, Otto or Beal. And they don't have a guy, even if, if Ubre's out, they don't have another guy behind him to fill in that three spot. So got to stay on the court. Yeah. And I actually thought Ubre did a good job of Brooks sub Brooks was infuriated with the pass and, and then what happened afterward, the foul. And so he subbed him 
Um, but he put him back in right at the end for a defensive possession. And then also he was one of the reasons that after Beal missed the second free throw that the Wizards were able to kind of poke that around and keep it alive until they came up with it and Wall, and Wall was fouled. So good for him for when he went back in in the most important part of the game that he, he was paying attention and doing what he needed to do. Uh, I hate to end uh, the, our last podcast of the year on a bad note, but you're an Oakland Raiders fan. They just fired your head coach. Hmm. You know what that means? John Gruden. Time. Oh, this is great news. What do you mean? What's for, the bad news? This is great news for America. <laughs> John Gruden off of Monday Night Football? Oh, my Lord. Thank you. I don't know who's <laughs> going to come in there next. I'm not worried about him as a coach. Hmm. I'm just concerned about him on my television. I, just something different. So I'm glad for that. I don't know if, that's, I don't know if you're happy with it, with, the, with that I change. I watched zero Monday Night Football games this year. Well, you know, the the the, the, the football team I cover sometimes is on it. So you have the, the – Well, I that. would say outside of – yeah, outside of them. Yeah. Plus, there's, you know, you got the fantasy football thing once in a while. I was you busy no syncing choice. up the uh, local radio broadcast of the Redskins game with the Monday Night game. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, you, you got to find you got to find out if they're going to win the skin tangibles in any given game. So you got to listen to it. Um, all right, man. Well, look, let's end it here before we get in any more trouble. Uh, thank you, Mr. Dibus, for doing uh, at least, you know, some of those five podcasts that I did this year. Greatly appreciate your time. Uh, many thanks, of course, to, uh, since I'm ticking off names here, Adam Rubin for always being willing to come on, Rashad Mobley, Kyle Weedye. Uh, thanks to, uh, I, I, he doesn't have an official title anymore because he didn't want one, but thanks to Neil DeLaw for always uh, listening to the podcast and, uh, Give me and doing show notes for me and tell me when I screwed things up. Providing support. Providing providing various kinds of support. Uh, Rasheen Carbon, one of our favorite uh, followers, is also constantly throwing out suggestions. It was his idea to do the New Year's resolutions, uh, among other ones. And all of you guys for listening, definitely appreciate it. Uh, more podcasts to come in 2018. Maybe we'll even have some surprises with the podcast. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be some surprises coming up. Is that true? I feel it. I feel like something's happening. That something's happening. Yes. Is it like uh, we're going to stop losing the podcast? Going to stop losing the teams under five hundred? Only if it uses its good audio equipment. <laughs> All right. We'll 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 see what we can do uh, on, on on that front. All right. Thanks, you guys, as always. Uh, have a happy, safe New Year. Uh, Bradley Beal said, "Don't do anything he wouldn't do." Whatever that means. Until next time. See ya. Everybody just. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long foul shot. Dagger!